Okay, so this is session number three of Recharge, finding a safe space. And this session is entitled The Rhythms of Rest, and Chantal and Gerald Klingmal are the presenters. Okay. Great. So we did speak a little bit already about how we naturally wired for rest. We have this rest at night seems to be the best kind of rest on a on a biological level for us. I, I remember I, in, in Germany, at, when I was younger, that was a long time ago, most males had to do military service, but most Adventists chose to be conscientious objectors. So I worked for two years in a hospital, working like a, you know, somebody serving in the army. I was serving in a civilian capacity. And I happened to do also some night shifts. And I don't know if you ever done a night shift, but it felt horrible because it really affects your circadian rhythm. And that's apparently that's research has shown that is something that is, has wide-reaching uh, um, results, and these are negative results on our, on our health. And more and more studies are also popping up, and more and more books you will notice as well in Christian uh, libraries and Christian bestsellers where they talk about rest and the need for rest. So this idea of taking a rest day seems to be catching on. Now, of course, for in Christian circles, it seems to be kind of optional which rest day that is, if it's Sabbath or Sunday or probably even Wednesday. But uh, we want to look a little bit at this day of rest and the specifics mm. of which day and why. So we'll try to focus on the biblical Sabbath, obviously, and the reasons why. Now, I have a, I don't know, some of you were at the 2015 General Conference session in San Antonio. Anybody of you? Okay, there's a couple hands. We were there, and we went to this place. Have you seen that place? It's right there, walkable, you know, very close to the convention center. This is the famous Alamo Fort. Mm -hmm. And there's a, they tell the story there. It was very interesting for somebody who's not American. You know, I wasn't born or lived really in this country. Um, and there was this one rallying cry. Do you remember that? Remember the Alamo. What did that mean? Remember the Alamo. That pulled a whole history along with it. And it was really that battle cry that really spurred on the, the American army well, afterwards, the militia, <laughs> the militia to, to actually resist, because those that the, the Alamo did eventually fall, but those that defended it, I believe Davy Crockett was there, and they fought so bravely with so little that this really became a very emotive cry. And so when you said, remember the Alamo, you remembered that bravery, and that inspired you to give your best as well. So we'd, we'd like to start thinking about remembering. What, what does remembering do for us? Because, if you remember, <laughs> pun intended, the this, this Sabbath commandment begins with the word, remember, the Sabbath commandment in, in Exodus chapter 20. What does this mean Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Why do we have to remember? Why is that one of these commandments that is so different from any other commandment? There's no other commandment in the Bible that says, remember X, Y, Z. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. So, remember we said 
remember. <laughs> we said at the beginning that we're going to be looking uh, or working in groups this afternoon. So with your group, here's a first warm-up question, a little discussion question. What other aspects of our lives are influenced by remembering that God created the heavens and the Creation. earth? Creation. Mm -hmm. Creation. Okay. Remember the Sabbath day because in six days... God created the heavens and the earth. Now, what, what, what more does that remembering involve? In your groups, we give you two minutes. If you're sitting alone, try to maybe go to one side or to the other and, you know, make some friends and listen to one another. All right. Okay. I see some of you are really getting to the spirit of things. Others are still not so sure about the group discussion thing. We just want to assure you that there aren't wrong answers here. So it's, it's fine to, to chat. Remember, when you say remember, it's really pulling on the end of, of, of a chain. Because as soon as you pull out one link, it leads to another, it leads to another, it leads to another. And this remembering that God created the heavens and the earth pulls onto a whole lot of things. So what, what did you come up with? What, what other elements here, aspects of our life, are influenced by creation? You know, when we are told to remember creation. Anything that came to mind as you were discussing this? So the, the remembering creation gives maybe confidence for even in chaos in, in, in the future, looking into the future. Good. Any, anything else that in your groups when you thought about what other elements? We, we know the Sabbath. That's, you know, we talk about God's rhythm. But anything else that stood out? Yes, please. Oh. Okay. He, we remember that God is a father. And... and Depends how, how your father was or how our father experienced. You know, was it a good experience? Was it maybe not a good experience? But the idea of the father is somebody who cares, who protects, who, who surrounds, isn't it? As you said, Chantal, when we remember something, we start pulling, and sometimes emotions wake up that we haven't thought of for a long time. Yeah. And we've mentioned a couple of them. One of those you, you mentioned there... Um, we remember, when we remember the creation, we remember that we are created. Mm -hmm. And that says a whole lot. Because when we remember that we are created, we also remember that we are created in the image of God. Mm. And that's kind of fundamental. We've had, there's a lot of movements, you know. Um, it's my life. Uh, it's my body. You shouldn't have any say in what I do for, for a Christian who's remembering, we're going, no, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm created for so much more. I'm created in God's image. I don't belong to myself. Mm. I belong to a good father. So this puts this a whole, different, a whole different spin on it. We realize that we aren't independent entities. We're not masters of our own identity. We are created in God's image. Here's another idea that as we thought about what does remembering really creation still, you know, pull out of that chain, is stewardship. Have you ever thought of that when we are created, we were created in his image, but then God says, but I want you to have dominion. Now, having dominion is often misunderstood nowadays. 
Many people think that means I'm in control. Or I can abuse, really. I can abuse, abuse. I can exploit. Mm. But the biblical idea of dominion is very different. It's an idea of a steward, somebody who stands in the place of God and is his, his representative there, his regent, if you want to use the, the, the language there. I think this, would, this changes how we, how we relate to nature around us, how we relate to keeping animals in deplorable conditions mm. for, for meat or for eggs or for whatever else over there, um, how we interact with the environment around us. Well, we'll talk a little bit more about mm -hmm. that, that later on as well. Now, we talked about already in our, in our previous session that sin changed everything. You know, it started out well, everything was good, and then after the Sabbath, very good. But then chapter 3, sin enters this world, and it really disrupts all these relationships. It turns them upside down, and somehow the Sabbath is that chain that God maybe wants to pull to remind us, as one of the church fathers has said, that there's eternity in our hearts. Mm -hmm. And the Sabbath is that moment, that this time where God created us and where we are reminded that we're not alone. We are responsible to someone, but he's our father. He cares for us. So I'll... Sabbath mm -hmm. reminds us of creation. And I think we're very strong on that. But I was surprised, maybe you knew this, but I was surprised to find another Sabbath commandment. Do you know the second Sabbath commandment that's not found in Exodus? Anybody? Deuteronomy chapter 5. Mm -hmm. Very good. And the second one. Yeah, tell us a little bit about that one. Now, the second time we hear this, it comes in the, in the book of Deuteronomy. That's directed, God speaking, not to the first generation, but to the second generation. So there is a change, a generational change. The people that had rebelled had slowly died in that interim, and the, their children were now at the frontier of the, of the promised land. And suddenly God says, well, we need, to, we need to review. And Moses reviews everything that God wants of his people there. And that includes the There's Ten Commandments. Sab Sabbath commandment, but it mm -hmm. sounds very different. Did you notice? It doesn't start with remember. Um, it doesn't refer to creation but it refers to redemption, liberation. You were a slave in Egypt, and I've saved you. That's why you should remember. That's what you should remember on the Sabbath. So there's two different things. Now, interesting, it's the same Ten Commandments. I think that's something we should, we should remember here as well. Yeah, I think slavery, slavery was hard, but this new generation probably only remembered stories that their parents had told about slavery. Mm -hmm. They probably, yeah, well, they had, if they had a memory, they were tiny, tiny children when they had left. So they didn't remember anything about slavery, but this was something that God didn't want them to forget. Now, right at the beginning, you know, there was now conflict ahead of them. This is at the border of the promised land. Conflict is waiting for them. God says, I'll give you rest in the country, in that promised land. That's another promise that he gave them when he took them out of, out of Egypt. But there's also different things that change. In the Sabbath command, as it's portrayed in Deuteronomy chapter 5, there is a particular focus on 
different groups of people. You should give rest to whom? To the oxen, your oxen, your animals. You should give rest to your mate, your servants. Um, you should give rest even to the foreigner who's living among you. So this rest is kind of leveling everything. There's no distinction. You're a woman, you can't get rest. You're a foreigner. No, no, this doesn't count for you. We all equal. I think God knew, and that's unfortunate with sin, and I've seen it over and over, and you've probably noticed it too, that victims often become abusers. Mm. You would think they wouldn't because they know what it feels like, but the minute they get the power, things just turn upside down. And for God, this is a no-no. You have been liberated. You were slaves. You've been liberated, but that doesn't give you the right now to oppress others. And this is an important, this equality before God is an important foundation that this commandment is supposed to remind us. Sabbath is supposed to remind us about the way we treat each other as well. Well, we have another question so that we can get start going here. Mm-hmm. The question that we'd love you to discuss in your small little groups is the following, and you can see it here behind me. What other forms of slavery do we face today? Obviously, otherwise, I mean, we're not in Egypt. But there may be other forms of slavery that we're facing. How can the Sabbath offer freedom? So it's two questions, really. What other forms of slavery can we think of? How can the Sabbath offer us freedom? And we put some Bible texts there if you want to read those in Genesis and in Hebrews and in Second Peter. And, yeah, we'll give you maybe two minutes And then we'll look forward to hearing from you. Well, it's nice to see you engaging. That's wonderful. Any, any suggestions? What came up in your discussions? What other type of slavery do, do we potentially face? We're not in Egypt. And the second one, how can the Sabbath offer freedom also in, this particular, in these particular contexts? Any ideas? What came up in your discussions? Yeah, please. Okay, let me just, for the recording, summarize what you said. This group said, well, one of the things, they have a long list, but the one of the things is to-do lists. You know, we push by, by tasks, but the Sabbath forces us to stop. Okay. Okay. Entertainment, social media, whatever you want to use for that. The Sabbath maybe offers also a time to break there. Okay? Stress. Stress. And Sabbath would be the antidote for stress. Okay. Anything else? Did you think of anything else? Yes, please. Okay. If addiction, Sabbath may be a way, especially in terms of permissiveness to ourselves, to say, well, maybe I shouldn't because this is really... God's day, or this is really something that belongs to God. And I saw another hand there. Mm. Good. Thank you very much. He shared with us that, you know, at a, a school that his son is attending, they use dumb phones. I mean, I use them as dumb phones. They're not internet connected, but they can use to be called, you know, what they used to originally be devised. Very good. Sabbath, yes. A moment of 
freedom. Well, for the slaves, they knew freedom. Um, you know, that moment of breaking free was something that they would always remember. And that element, that joyful element, was something that God wanted them to remember. And I think that's a heart thing that we must never lose on Sabbath. There is this freedom smell that Sabbath is supposed to have. And if it starts getting any other kind of connotations, we need to double check because at its foundation, it has freedom, the smell of freedom. Maybe as a, you know, as an addition to what Chantal said, we should remember that really Israel didn't earn anything to get out of Egypt. That was just God's work. And maybe the Sabbath is the same reminder that salvation is something that we can't really do anything. It's something that God is doing for us. And he wants to do that in us, yes. He wants to transform us, definitely. But it's the gift. As, remember, as we said in an, in an earlier session, we said, even when we come to God, John 6, 44, you cannot come to God unless you are drawn you know, by God, by God. Shall we ask another question? Yeah. Well, maybe as an introduction to this one, I remember being invited to um, an Orthodox uh, Jewish home for a, a Sabbath lunch. Mm -hmm. And I remember going into the kitchen and I helped to bring, you know, a plate into, into the kitchen. And she had all these, um, uh, what do you call it, plastic wrap, you know, cling wrap. What, that's what we call it, right? <laughs> she had this cut sections of it cut out and, and, and stuck on her refrigerator. I thought that was weird. She said, yeah, on Sabbath we can't tear it off the, off the roll. Mm. So she, on Friday she has to remember to cut, cut it all so it's ready to put over the dishes. And I thought, oh my. Because there was this idea, and I think it was in Judaism at the time, that if every Jew kept the Sabbath perfectly, the Messiah would come. Hmm. So it, it was kind of high pressure. Hmm. Now, I know if you've spoken to other folks of, of other denominations, the Sabbath question quickly comes up. Mm -hmm. And with it, this question. Mm -hmm. Some people mistakenly see Sabbath keeping as an attempt to earn salvation. How can the concept of freedom from slavery help to correct this idea? Just imagine that you're speaking to someone who says, okay, well, Seventh-day Adventists... You're trying to earn your salvation through Sabbath-keeping. What would you say in your groups, quickly? Okay. Any, any idea? What would you say? One quick sentence or one quick idea. What would you say to that person who would say, well, you Adventists are really just earning salvation by your works, by keeping the Sabbath? Yes. Okay, thank you. So... You, you will say, well, really, salvation is a gift from us. And maybe that's where the Sabbath commandment can help us. If, if you read again Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 14 and 15, it starts off with a fact. And you said the cross. Is, that's a fact. I didn't do anything for that. Jesus did it. It starts off with a, cross, uh, with a fact where God says, I brought you out with an outstretched arm, with a powerful hand. I took you out of Egypt. And I brought you to this land. In other words, salvation already happened. The Sabbath, to remember the Sabbath was not in, there was no cause and effect relationship. But as you said, the Sabbath really 
reminds Israel, Adventists, Christians, people of God, reminds them that they are saved. That we've done nothing for our salvation. So that's the moment to say, I am saved. And I'm remembering that I'm saved. As you told me to remember that I am saved. And I think just we meant, I think for us, we think that's normal. But for many people, it's not. This salvation is for all of us. It's not separated for the Germans and not for the French or the Americans or the male or female or whatever. It's for all. And that's, Paul seems to, to alert to that when he says there's really, really no female and male and slave and poor and rich and owner and stuff like this. Okay, there's one quick observation here. Oh, I like that. The Sabbath is a gift with no conditions. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm, we've just got to summarize each time for the recording. Thank you very over much. Over here. So it, it's really taking that gift and appreciating that gift is, is what that's already been given us. This... There's an interesting story. Well, it's not a story. It's a historical fact. During the Second World War, for all our history boffins, uh, England was expecting an invasion, especially the earlier part of the war, was expecting an invasion by Germany at any moment. So people got ready, you know, fort fortifications on the beaches. Um, different preparations were made. But they did one interesting thing. They took down all the signposts. To confuse the army, the, the, the occupying army when the Germans came, that they would be confused and wouldn't know where they were. So they took all the street signs down and the stuff that, you know, had been engraved, placed names that had been engraved in buildings, they covered that with cement so that you couldn't see where you were. Because signs are very important. They, they guide us in the right direction. Now, now, we have lost a little bit the ability to read signs because we let's just look at our phones mostly, GPS, and you know, we don't pay attention to maps, but signs and maps are significant. Here's a, here's a question. What is the Sabbath a sign of? In Exodus 31 verse 13, it tells us that's a sign. Let me read you the text. It helps you to know that the Sabbath is a sign of the Lord for an eternal covenant between you and me. In other words, it's something that marks us as belonging to God. Mm -hmm. We've got our luggage tag. Uh, our, you know, when you traveled, you've got that identification. And Sabbath is a sign as well of liberation, mm -hmm. creation, and also that we belong to God. Mm -hmm. So it's a beautiful sign. Well, there's so much to say about Sabbath. Let's see. Uh, let's go more to practical. What mm -hmm. do you think? Here we go. We are not in an exclusive Adventist environment. How do we relate to people around us who are working on Sabbath? Many of whom profess a different religion or no religion at all. Okay, there's a verse there that maybe will help you. But in your group, quickly, take a moment. How do you relate to people who are not keeping Sabbath? Mm. Okay, we just looked at our clock, and with this long delay we had at the beginning, we realized we're going to have to fly. So let's just take one, one answer. How do we relate to those around us who are not keeping Sabbath? Anyone? 
they all they all live in Adventist communities. <laughs> all right, we'll take we'll take we'll take a hand there. Yes. Okay, so you find yourself connecting easily with people when you talk about the benefits of just taking a day off, mm -hmm. just absolutely resting. Good. I know there's others, but we're gonna we're gonna fly on. Very practically, very practically, we, we hear the stranger within my gates. You know, that's part of the command, the stranger within your gates. And this is a good challenge for each one of us to see how can we give a Sabbath whiff to as many people around us as possible. We can't condemn them because it says, remember, if they have no relationship with God, no connection to God, they have nothing to remember, right? So we're there to give that sweet smell that will hopefully bring them in. Just a short, maybe... When you're in a hotel on Sabbath, put up the do not disturb sign on your door. Mm -hmm. You are making whoever's the room service one room easier. They're getting one rest, one little rest from not cleaning your room. So you will see where we can make things just a little bit easier for those around us on Sabbath. Chantel, we're going to jump over two slides. We wanted to talk a little bit about Sabbath and conflict and Jesus especially, the conflict that he experienced. But... Our time is really running low. And then this is the question for that. And we wanted to talk about environmental care and Sabbath. And we've already alluded to that because it starts off with this creation. And creation is really the foundation for how we care for God's world. And it's not a political agenda. It is a divine mandate to be good stewards, to be, you know, to be the ones who stand in God's stead the regions that God has on this earth. But we're going to go to the next slide. And that's here, I think, our last question that we want to ask. In what direction does Sabbath rest point us as we contemplate the triangle of creation, redemption, holiness, and what practical implications can that have for our lives? So, do we have a moment to talk about that? No. All right. One minute. One minute. We're looking for practical implications of, we, we spoke about creation, we spoke about redemption, freedom, God sanctifying us. Okay. In your group, very quickly, what are the practical implications for you? Maybe, Chantal, maybe we, we jump the groups oh, okay. and we go straight, straight to our discussion. All right. Okay. Sorry, no more groups. Well, When I saw that picture, I thought, oh, yeah, it's a great image to illustrate a little bit what's happening when we talk about Sabbath and creation. Because, obviously, evolution has a big role in the understanding where we come from in relating to the Sabbath. Because the Sabbath is so closely related to creation, isn't it? I mean, it doesn't make sense to remember something, especially when God says, because I created you in six days, if there is no creation. So... So that, that is an important element. Um, I know probably a lot of you have heard or are connected not so much with evolution, but theistic evolution. Have you mm. heard of theistic evolution? And that's often the attempt to marry evolutionary thought with Christian thought. But that really brings more problems than, than it solves. Because it clearly undermines this literal 24-hour day of creation or days of creation. And rest. And rest. And if we just think about it, if God isn't powerful enough to create the universe, 
in seven literal days. Is he powerful enough to raise us from the dead? Is he powerful enough to recreate this earth and make it new? So it doesn't bring rest, that idea, that marrying of the two concepts. I like particularly the, the idea when you think logical, logically that God somehow that doesn't fit into God's character. If he uses evolution, because remember theistic evolution is the idea of marrying those two ideas, creation and, and evolution. If he uses death to advance mm -hmm. us to a certain age in several millions or billions of years where finally there are human beings... Now, death is really the result of sin, of the entrance of sin. So it, it doesn't make sense. Plus, it would be really a challenge to the character of God, wouldn't it? Mm -hmm. If he uses death and, you know, entire species disappearing, you know, over a million years or 10 million years, whatever, and, and really still maintaining that he is the God of love. Plus, of course, that he's an individual God, that he loves me individually, that personal connection will get lost over the eons of mindless evolutionary process. I, I like this psalm because uh, I don't know if, how you relate to psalms, but psalms are expressions of a lot of deep emotions, but they're also expressions of incredible praise and, and descriptions of the beauty of, of, of creation and of what God is doing in this world. You remember Psalms 100 verse 3, it says, He is God. Every Sabbath, I think, is a reminder that we are remembering that He is God. He is God. It is He who has made us and not we ourselves. That's what Psalm 100 says. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. That's, an, that's a very important concept if we could kind of catch that every Sabbath, you know, it's not just something that I don't do for myself or I put away my phone, which is good, I think. Um, but it's really something where I affirm the character of God. He is God he, and he's good. A good God, our creator God, our redeemer God, the God that is interested in us personally, that wants to set us free from our addictions, from our slavery. This is the God we celebrate every Sabbath with this visible sign that he belongs to us and we belong to him. I remember a friend that I had. I went to a non-Adventist school in Germany. There's not many Adventist schools, at least when I grew up. Um, and, you know... At the beginning of my school career, every second Sabbath we had class. So I wouldn't go to school and I would have to recover that and it wasn't always easy. But later on, you know, they, they said, okay, only five days a week, which was very good for Adventists. Um, I, but I remember one of my friends, you know, teenager at that, at that time, looking at me and says, I wish I could also not go to school. I wish I could have a day off. I wish I could have this moment of rest. Wouldn't that be lovely if the people around us, our neighbors, our work colleagues, our friends at school or university, if they could see you, how you deal with the Sabbath, how you 
enjoy the Sabbath, celebrate the Sabbath, how you remember who is God, and at the same time say, man, I'd like to have something like this too. I think you, you mentioned this. It is just something good. It is something that God has given us to breathe deeply, to find a rhythm that is livable and find that rest. Thank you very much, especially for those who were here in the beginning. We struggled a lot with the sound again, but um, we had to cut quite a bit because of that. But we thank you for coming. And we... We'll have a closing prayer, yes. and then we'll make our short advert for the next one. Yes. I'm not a biologist, but my understanding is that they would say, oh, it came by, by species development, by chance, by mutations, by, by selection... Okay. okay, Chantal, why don't you pray to, with us Perfect. at the end? Okay. Our great creator, our father, we are so grateful that you, that you created us, that you did it intentionally, you did it literally, and you did it because you loved us. And thank you for sealing right into that fantastic event, the Sabbath. Thank you for the rhythm it gives for our lives, for the reminder of where we've come from, not just that you created us, but that you have set us free, that it's a done deal, and that you want to liberate us from everything that tries to ensnare us. We are so grateful for this. We pray that we can learn to revel in the freedom that Sabbath brings, and that this can become a wonderful sign to those around us as well, something attractive that will attract others to this wonderful salvation that you have brought us. Thank you in Jesus' great name. Amen. This message was recorded in partnership with Audioverse at the GYC conference Break Forth in Phoenix, Arizona. GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to challenge and inspire young people to take sacrificial initiative for Christ and to see Jesus finish the work in this generation. For other resources like this, visit us online at gycweb.org.